First Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. I know this seems like a strange place to be for Mother's Day, but I thought this was pretty interesting when I got to studying it. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. <laughs> that must be a king. <laughs> Here we go. Now Adonijah the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Say it. Then he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel has set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the Shunammite as wife. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak to the king for you. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, and the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah your brother as wife. You may be seated. Just a little history on what's going on here. King David is about to pass away. He's on his last leg. He, he, he is in, on his deathbed, and they have brought in a, a young lady named, um, whatever her name was, y'all read it. They brought in, what was it? And now Adonijah's the boy. What's, what was her name? Abishag. There you go. Abishag. So they, that don't sound like Ed don't, but I, you know how it is. So they brought in Abishag because the king needed somebody to help keep him warm at night. He was cold, and they couldn't, they couldn't cover him with enough blankets and, and covers in order to keep him warm. So they were going to bring in a young girl to help keep him warm at night. And this girl was going to serve him by bringing him food and soups and things to help him until the day that he finally passes away. And then Adonijah, who is King David's eldest son now, he just assumes that he will accept and receive the throne of the king of Israel after his father passes away. So before King David passes away, Adonijah goes out and he gets a priest that's on his side, he gets a commander of the army on his side, and he gets a few other people that will come with him, and then he invites all of the king's brothers except for Solomon. He, he, he invites all these people of Israel to a feast to where he proclaims himself as the king of Israel, the new reigning king. But then Bathsheba hears about this. Bathsheba is Solomon's mother. 
So Bathsheba has been promised earlier in the Kings, or earlier in Samuel, I believe it was, that Solomon would indeed inherit the throne. Solomon would indeed become king of Israel when David died. So Bathsheba comes in and she finds David. She says, David, do you not know what is going on? Make a long story short, David says, I remember that I promised you that Solomon will be king. And as surely as I'm standing here now, Solomon will be king. So he goes and he gets his priests and they come and they anoint Solomon as king and David sets him on his throne and says, Long live King Solomon. And all of Israel shouted and rejoiced. But all of these who were in this feast, all of these who were, who were there celebrating Adonijah's supposed kingship, they heard this rejoicing, they heard this shout, and they all realized that Solomon had been granted the throne. They got scared, so each one of them went their own way. Adonijah, therefore, was scared that Solomon was going to have him killed now for what he's done. So he goes and he requests of Bathsheba, Please, you go to Solomon, your son, and I want you to ask him one thing for me, because he will not refuse you. You ask him if I can have this young lady... Abishag that was that was my that belonged to my father David. I want to have her as my wife. And when she gets here, she says, "Okay, that sounds like a reasonable request." So she goes to King Solomon. Now, the first thing I see in this, I got just a few things that I want to talk to the children about this morning. Now that you know the history, here's where we're at. King Solomon is king. Now, king in Israel ain't like president of the United States. If the president of the United States were to walk in, I don't care if it was George Bush, Barack Obama, I don't care who it is, have you ever fully agreed with everything every president has done? No. And if the president were to walk in right now, were there some, would there be some things that you would tell him you don't like? And you wouldn't be scared to do it either, would you? But if you lived back in these days, I'm going to go and tell you right now, I don't care if you like what the king did or not. You better smile and go your merry way. Because if you don't like what the king does and you decide that you're going to be bold enough to tell this king, what do you think is best case scenario for you? Best case scenario is quick death. That's it. That's best case scenario. To be a king in this time meant to have supreme reign. To be a king in this time meant that you didn't rise for anyone. But instead, when you rose, what did everybody else do? They rose. When you sat down, what did everybody else do? They sit down. They did nothing without you doing it first. This was a king that he did not step on the scene and bow to anyone. He did not bow to you. Instead, people bowed to him. He was king of Israel. He was of great stature. He was a good-looking guy is what the Bible tells us. And yet, this just intrigued me that when Bathsheba steps in to ask King Solomon for, on behalf of Adonijah to give this woman to Adonijah's wife, look what happens here in, starting in verse 19. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And look what happens. And the king rose up to meet her. The king rose up. He don't rise for nobody. 
But his mother walks in a room, and what does he do? He gets his he gets his butt up out of that chair, and he meets his mother. His mother steps on the scene, and not only does he rise to meet her, but he goes to her, and he bows down to her. This is a king that bows to no man, but yet his mother walks in the room, and he bows to her. My first thing that I noticed here is this. No matter where you get to in this life, no matter how great you become, no matter how much money you make, I don't care how popular you get, I don't care if you win every election that you run for, and I don't care if you become president of the great United States of America. Let me tell you something, you will never reach a place in this life where your mother should not always be honored as the greatest of all people. He didn't bow like this to just anybody. He was the king of Israel, and yet his mother steps in the room, and he honored her. The next thing I notice is this, the ways that he honored her. He honored his mother by greeting her as the greatest of all people. Notice here, whenever she steps in the room, he rises up and he bows to her. Is there anybody else that he will do this for? Nobody but Mama. Mama walks in the room, and he will bow down to her. Do you know why? Because I, do you think Bathsheba was the best mother there ever was? Anybody know any history on Bathsheba? She was not the best mother there ever was. Do you think she made every decision exactly the way that she should make it, according to Solomon? Absolutely not. But you know what? I don't care if your mama ain't done nothing else for you but give you life. I'm going to go on and tell you right now, she deserves your honor. That's just the truth. She deserves for you to honor her today in a similar manner to the way that Solomon did. When you greet your mama, don't walk in that house and throw your macaroni and cheese on her table and sit your butt in her recliner and kick back and watch her TV. When you walk in that house, you walk up to your mother, you give her a hug, you kiss her on her cheek, and you tell her, that you love her. Not everybody is able to do that today. I wonder how many people in here would, ha would ha have one more opportunity to just hug their mama and give them a kiss on the cheek. How many of you today would say, don't take advantage of that. Don't take that for granted. Tomorrow is not promised for us to be able to do that. So I ask you today to honor your mother. Very simple message. I ain't got nothing complex for you. Walk in that house today. Greet your mother as the greatest of all people. Because if it were not for your mother, guess what? You would not be. That's the truth. What's that? <laughs> not only that, and nobody get up to go call you mama right now. You can do that after we're done. The next thing I noticed was that not only did Solomon greet her as the greatest of all people, but he put her in the place of honor. I want you to look at this right here. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. She didn't just come in and greet him and him greet her and him bow to her and then say, okay, go back there to the back where you belong. Uh-uh. He said, hey... Y'all get up, y'all get my mother a throne, not a seat. 
She don't sit in this little old metal chair right here. She don't stand up behind this stove and cook while everybody else just waits on us. You go back here and you get a throne for my mama. And you bring this throne and you set it beside of daddy's throne. Because this is the queen of this house. This is the woman that if it were not for her, we would not be. So we give her the highest place of honor. Don't walk in that house today and watch your mama just standing behind that stove cooking. And, and, and How many of you got a mama that that's what she would do today? She would be serving while y'all all enjoyed each other. That's exactly what she would do. You go in there and you tell your mama, it's time for you to sit down. Not disrespectful, you'll get your jaw smacked if it's my mama. But you walk in there and you tell your, your mama that today is the day that you sit down. Today is the day that we put you in the place of honor. Today is the day that we serve you for all that you are. Honor your mother today in those ways. The next thing I notice, I've got I to go through these a little quicker. The next thing I notice is this. Honor your mother by seeking her advice, her counsel, her direction in all of your decisions. I want you to think about this right here. Do you think that King Solomon just set her beside of him on his right hand because he thought it would be a good place for her? The people on the king's right hand, they are his most trusted. They are his most honored. Whenever Jesus sits up on the right hand of the Father, does he just sit there and do nothing? What is he doing for us right now, even as we speak? He's up there and he is interceding for us. He is on the right hand of the Father and he is telling the Father, Father, here's what we need to do. And in likewise manner, you should never reach a place in your life to where you know enough that you no longer need your mother's advice. You should never reach a place. Now, granted, I'm going to tell you this. Your mother ain't always going to be right. Now, some of us, some of y'all mothers in here may think you're always right. I know most of us do. But you ain't always right. Sometimes your advice should not be followed. A prime example is this story right here. Solomon comes in and he says, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But then whenever she asks this, Solomon has enough wisdom to recognize that she's being deceived. And he steps aside and chooses otherwise to follow her advice. But don't take for granted that Solomon was not willing to listen to her advice. Don't take for granted that Solomon was not willing to seek her direction, to see if she would be wise to follow this path. He knows that his mother loves him. And in her mind, she would not tell him something that's going to lead him in a path of destruction. But she will give him good counsel. He can trust his mother. So I say this, honor your mother by seeking her advice, her counsel, her direction in your decisions. Next thing is this, honor your mother by obeying her lawful commands. Now, as I said a minute ago, not every command your mother is going to give you is going to be lawful. Your mother is going to love you above all others. You're going to have... You're going to grow up and go on your merry little way and you're going to, going to begin starting your own family one day and when you're 30 years old and your wife is with you and you're starting your own family, it is not at that time that your mother comes in and tells you how to run your house. So depending on your age and your status, that will depend on how much of your mother's law you will indeed follow. However, when you're a child, your status is simply this, obey 
thy mother and thy father. I don't care if you agree with it or not. Whenever Jesus was 12 years old and they went to the um, temple to, uh, what was it, Passover, I believe is what they were going for. My mind just went blank. Anyway, he's 12 years old and they're going and he finds himself teaching the scribes and the Pharisees in the temple, correct? And then on the journey back home, if I'm not mistaken, Mary and Joseph begin to realize three days later that Joseph is not with them. Jesus, I'm sorry, thank you. Jesus is not with them. That's why I need you on the front row, brother. Amen. Jesus is not with them. So whenever they realize Jesus is not with them, they panic and they go running back and they go, Jesus, where were you? We've been looking for you everywhere. And he looked at his mama, (laughs) and only Jesus could say this to his mama. But he looked at his mama and he said, I must be about my father's business. And I heard, I believe it was Mark Larley say one time, I bet Mary turned around and said, I'll show you your father's business. <laughs> I thought, but you know, the, the funny thing is this. Jesus was the son of God. He is the Messiah. He knows his purpose. He knows why he has come. And yet, whenever his mother tells him, where have you been? How, you shon't, don't do that, Jesus. You scared us to death. He says, Mama, I had to be about my father's business, but she didn't understand. Did he keep on about it? No. What did he do? He packed up and he went on home with her. So if even the Son of God will obey his mother's command, then don't you think that you too should? Obey your mother's lawful commands. I, I love what this says right here where, um, in, verse, um, in verse 20. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. I just want a small thing, is what she says to Solomon. And here's his response to it. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, no, I'm sorry, in verse 21, at the end of verse 20. I've got to find my place here. That's correct. End of verse 20. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. He said, Mother, there is nothing that you could tell me to do that I would refuse in a lawful manner in a way that is pleasing to God, in a manner that is going to lead me in the right direction, there is nothing that you can ask me. I will obey whatever command you ask for me. I will not refuse you. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3, if you've got that, Tim. Ephesians 6, verse 3 says this, that it may be well with you. Actually, go back to verse 2. I ain't got my ducks in a row this morning. I ain't even got ducks. Ephesians 6 verse verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you see that? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God said, this is what I designed for you to do. This is the way that I set this family system up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. In other words, the promise with this command of us obeying our mother and father's lawful command is this. You will have long years. But if this truth in the Bible is that if you obey your mother and father, you will have long years, then don't you know that the exact opposite of that is also true? If you do not obey your mother and father, then what will the result be? Your years will be shortened. 
Now, that is a tough thing to accept, but that is a promise. And how many of you know that when God makes a promise, He keeps it? There ain't no stopping. There ain't no saying, okay, I'm not going to do it. When He makes a promise, He keeps it. So, the question that some of you might have, if, what about if I am um, 17 years old and I have dishonored my mother and father by not obeying them commands? What if I have done the point that I will not receive the promise, but instead my years are looking like they're going to be shortened. Well, there is a remedy. Look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. He says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it, and he went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? The point that I'm trying to make from this passage is this. If you have reached a point in your life to where you have disrespected your parents or where you have not honored your mother in the way that you should, then I want to say this. You are just like the first gentleman there that whenever his, his parents came to him and said, Go and do this, he said, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I'm not going to do it. But then the Bible says that afterward, he regretted it. How many of you ever regretted a decision you made in, in your life with, with your parents? Afterward, he regretted it. And then what did he do? He went and he did what they said do. And that's the very simple process that you have to do this morning. God says, listen, if you have dishonored your parents by not obeying them, then children, here is what you do. Repent. Regret in your heart that you have done this. Turn around and go and begin to obey them today. And if you do that, then you have done the will of your parents, according to this right here. So there is a remedy for it. The next group I'm going to talk to is the mothers. Mothers, I'm going to talk to you from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, starting at verse 7. Proverbs 1, verse 7. Just going through verse 9. says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Basically, this is what Solomon is saying here to mothers and fathers alike. He said, children... Listen and follow the instruction of your father. Fathers, instruct. You tell them what to do. You tell them how to do it. And then it says not to forsake the law of your mother. If my study is correct on this, a, a, a better translation for this is do not forsake the teaching of your mother. The things that she teaches you. Mothers, it is your job partially, not wholly, but you have a great responsibility in your place of training and teaching 
teaching, not just telling them what to do, but teaching them why to do it, teaching them the purpose behind doing it. And it says here, children, you don't forsake this teaching. You go after this teaching and you follow it with all your heart. But mothers, it's important that you are teaching them according to the Word of God. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. Everybody in here knows about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the greatest apostle if there is a level. We would judge him as one of the, the greater apostles that, that was so obedient to follow after God, come what may. He would give anything and do, go anywhere, do anything to follow his God. And it is because of his writings and his teachings that we have the majority of our Christian doctrine today, correct? But how many of you know that this Apostle Paul, he did not do it alone? Matter of fact, there's a young man that the Apostle Paul found. The Apostle Paul was going through this region of Galatia. He was going on a missionary journey when he came to this town called Lystra, and then Derby was right down from it. He saw many believers come to the Lord in Lystra and Derby. He leaves there, and for three years, he's gone. Three years later, he decides, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back to the places where I went and found believers and I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to make sure they're okay. He goes back to Lystra and Derby, and when he gets there, he finds a Jewish woman who is a believer. Now the reason she's a believer is because Paul had came through there the first time and saw her to the Lord, correct? She is a believer, and now for three years she has been training and teaching her son and when Paul gets there, there's a young man that he is so impressed with. He looks at this young man, and he sees a man that is well spoken of, according to Acts chapter 16, verse 1. He sees a man that is well spoken of by all the brethren in this region. And Paul is so impressed with this young man that he wants to take him with him to minister. Now, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that Paul is looking for a protege to tuck under his wing and teach. I'll prove to you that he wasn't. John Mark, any of you that remember the story, was Paul willing to tuck him under his wing and teach him? Nope. But instead he said, I need somebody with me I can depend on. I need somebody I can trust. But Timothy was a man that when Paul looked at him, he said, I can depend on him. He is well spoken of. He knows the Scripture so well. He, Timothy even co-wrote, if I'm not mistaken, let me look at my notes here, if you'll look at the first verse of each one of these books, I tell you, Timothy co-wrote 2 Corinthians with Paul. When you look at the first verse of it, you'll see Paul, an apostle, along with Timothy. They wrote it together. They co-wrote the book of Philippians. Timothy helped Paul write the book of Colossians. Timothy helped Paul write the books of First and Second Thessalonians. Timothy helped Paul write the letter to Philemon. Timothy was a great player in all that you have in your Christian faith today and all the teaching that you had this young man that Paul was so impressed with he is one of the main ones that helped in all this and gets so little credit which he didn't do it for the credit no way but Paul takes no credit for all that Timothy is and for all the help that Timothy does Paul takes absolutely no credit for this Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. Look at 1 Timothy 1, 2, 1 verse 2, Tim. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. You see that? 
Paul said, Timothy, you are a true son in the faith. And then in 2 Timothy 1 verse 2, Paul said to Timothy, a beloved son. Timothy, he said, I love you so much because of who you are. And then look at 1 Corinthians 4 verse 17. Paul actually sent Timothy to the Corinthians so that he could show them how he wanted them to act. He says, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. He said, Timothy is so much like me, he's going to remind you of everything that I teach and everything that I do. And then my last one, Philippians 2, verse 19 through 24 This is what Paul had to say about Timothy. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Verse 20. For I have no one like-minded. Notice this. Listen to these words. Paul said, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And in verse 22. But you know His proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Paul said this, there is nobody else out there, nobody that is as like-minded as me, like Timothy. But you know his proven character. But Paul takes no credit for this, and I'm coming to a close in my message here. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses. let's go with verses 5 through 7. 2 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 5. Paul says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also, verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Paul said, I can take no credit for your teaching. (laughs) I can take no credit for your genuine faith, Timothy. As great a companion as you and Ben, I can't take credit for it. Timothy, the only thing I can take credit for is that I laid my hands on you and prayed for you. (laughs) That's all I can say. I laid my hands on you and I prayed that God would give you the power to use what was already in you from a child. And then in verse 8, or verse 7, I'm sorry. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul said, that's all that I can take credit for is that I prayed that God would give you this spirit. Look at 2 Timothy verse one, or chapter one, or 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 14 through 15. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, Timothy, I take absolutely no credit for what you know, for what you have learned. You've known this since you were a kid. And you know where it come from? his mother, his grandmother. I want you to know that Timothy had a Greek father. And, and, and for those of you who understand what it means to be a Greek father, you understand it to mean an unbelieving father. 
A father who did not practice the Scriptures, who did not know the things of God, and yet even still in this house, even though there was not a father there to teach the way that God would have them to be teached, the mother and the grandmother stepped up to the plate and Timothy became a Paul and a great companion in the faith, a teacher to us today from all of the Scriptures that we read that he was inspired to write with Paul. So here's what I say to you. These things don't come naturally. They must be taught. I wrote down here that, you know, a baby's sucking reflex, it comes natural, don't it? I mean, you have to kind of work with them a little bit, and they just naturally, they begin, they begin to suck. They learn how to eat. They naturally know how to fall down. You don't have to teach them how to fall. You have to teach them how to stand up, correct? It's natural for them. Not only that, but crying when they're hungry. Do you have to tell them to cry when they're hungry? Do you have to tell them to cry when they need a diaper change? No. These are things that come natural with these children. But here's the thing about it. That's about it that comes natural. And that ain't going to do them much good in life, is it? Is it going to do them any good when they're 20 years old to cry because they're hungry? (laughs) Ain't going to do them much good, is it? Is it going to do them much good that they know how to suck on a bottle when they're 30 years old? No, probably not. Those things are not going to do them much good in life once they reach a certain point. So everything else has to be taught, and mainly the things of God, if they're going to get to where God would have them to be. Mothers and grandmothers, and this is my closing, you have a great responsibility when it comes to raising children. But even if you have not been obedient in this calling of yours up to this point, Your children may be 20, 30 years old and you have not trained them the way that you should. I say the same thing to you that I said to children that have dishonored their parents by not obeying them. If the father has said, go into my vineyard and work as a mother, and you said, I'm not. But today you realize that I have not done what the father would require me to do as a mother. Then I say to you this, today is the day that you can change it. Today is the day that you can say, I regret that I have not been the mother that God would have had me be. I have not been the best mother. I regret that, and today I'm going to start making the change to follow the doctrine that God has given me, to start teaching my children the ways of God. Examine yourself today. This message is for children and for mothers. And I pray that Children, you can learn to honor your mother and be obedient to them today. Mothers, I pray that you'll step it up and you won't be so concerned about your children's college fund, not that that's not important, but that your main concern is their spiritual fund, how much you have put in them of God, not how much you've put in them so that they can get to college. (laughs) You've got a hard hard, hard feeling coming ahead of you if, if on your children's deathbed you're sitting there watching them and you realize that all you've put into them is of this world and then you begin to worry. <laughs>